like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Heather, I noticed via the Zoom we've got some guests in studio with us. What's what's going on today? Yeah, well, we have two guests from my childhood preschool, the School for Young Children. And for those of you who've read the It's Okay Not to Share books, um, this is the school where this philosophy came to life and um, and certainly the life that I led and my mother taught there. But in the virtual studio, we have one of the current co-directors of SYC, Susan Rochino. And we also have a teacher, Don um, Nauman. So the two of them are gonna be talking about separation with us, which I think is a huge topic for anybody with young kids. Or even older kids during this pandemic when they won't leave the house. (laughs) Sounds great. Where do we jump in? Uh, Well, Susan and Don, why don't you start by, um, you know, introducing yourself a moment by saying how long you've been in the early childhood field and then what makes you passionate about the topic of separation? Okay, I can start. Um, I have been at SYC for um, 15-ish years and I taught first grade before that. Um, I'm passionate about separation because as, as we'll talk about, um, when a child is separating from their parent and they're trusting you as the teacher to be there for them, it's one of the first chances you have to build a relationship with that child. And it can be so essential to both your relationship with that child and your relationship to that parent. So since it's starting at the beginning of the year, that's kind of your first chance to really show who are you and who do you want to be and who can you be for that family. Wonderful. Thanks, Susan. What about you, Don? Um, I've been in early childhood for about 10 years, all of them pretty much at SYC. I came, it's a second career for me, and I came in as a student, and then I never left. Um, so I've been there for a while. Um, and I would say for the longest time, I mostly was with four and five year olds, and you would have a kid here and there that would have difficulty separating. Um, And then in the last few years, I've started teaching in our two-year-old class, and it is like 99.9% of what you do is um, um, build those relationships and get kids to separate, sometimes for the very first time. And the parents are separating for the very first time. So it um, became kind of something that I realized was what my job was about. Absolutely. Yeah, the younger and younger you go. And as you say, it's really, I think we'll get into this. It's not just about the kids and their separation. It is so much about the adults too. Right. Uh, So 
separation why do we have to do it and and does it hurt and you know what's um i know you did a, a presentation at a conference called separation in the age of attachment and that really strikes home because it seems like nowadays more and more uh, maybe the adults don't want to let go or maybe if the kids are having a little bit of uh big feelings about it. They feel like they need to shelter the kids from having those big feelings. So Susan, jump on in. Yeah, so um, to start off, uh, separation is hard for kids and it's hard for, for, a for adults. Um, it's hard for kids um, because you're used to trusting that one person, right? And, and that person's been there for you and has met your needs. Um, and especially in this age of attachment style parenting and, different, and um, the way a lot of parents are these days, um, they've been very responsive, which is great. Responsive to your needs. They, you know, do what you need for them. They listen to your cries, they listen to your words and they, and they, and they meet your needs. And that's been great. And now here's this other adult. And are they going to meet my needs? If, if my parents not there, who's going to do all these things for me and who knows me in this kind of a way? So that can be tricky for the kids, but it's so important because it's healthy for kids to be sad or mad when their primary caregiver is gone, but it's also healthy for them to learn to work their way through it and to learn to trust another adult. Um, one of the things we talk about in our, in our presentation is that parenting is the process of separation from the very beginning, right? If you think about it, like you're all one unit, right? And then they separate this little bit and then further and further and further. And you know, here, Don and I are with young adults who are starting to separate even further. We're practicing all these steps along the way. And, and the separation to another adult is just one of those steps. Do you want to add to that, Don? Sure, and I think also um, for kids, for um, parents, parents need to be away sometimes. They just really need to be away. And so there needs to be a healthy way for that to happen and by building that trust. Also, kids learning to trust another adult means that as they get older, they'll understand and be able to recognize what are trustworthy qualities of people. And if they have that idea of, oh, this is a trustworthy person. This is a person that I would want in my life. I trust them. They have to learn that skill of trust just like they learn tying their shoes. And one of the first ways they learn that is through separating from the people who are always there for them and learning to do that with someone different. Yeah, interesting. You brought up tying the shoes because, you know, with the slip-ons and the Velcro, that <laughs> skill gets pushed on down the line until they're in high school. Or, and I think sometimes the separation gets pushed on down the line, too, because um, maybe, obviously, they can't be with one adult all the time, but maybe there's a small circle of family that cares for the child. And, and I know families that won't hire a babysitter. I know families that won't let anybody outside of the immediate, you know, caregiving uh, circle care for their child. And so I wonder if just like tying the shoes, it's something uh, parents don't want to get into yet. Well, and it's trust, right? They don't hire a babysitter because they don't trust them. They don't trust their kids with anybody else. So I think that's part of why separation is hard as a parent. You feel this awesome responsibility to this child and make sure everything is just right. And so who can you trust? And then also you feel needed and it feels good to be needed. And sometimes it's if your kid misses you while you're gone, right? It's kind of hurt sometimes. You're like, ah, see you later. You know, come back, whatever. You know, you want to be missed in a way. So there's this kind of push and pull. I want you to be able to go out and do your own thing, but I also want to be needed. And I also want to be important to you. So right. it's, for both the kids and the adults, there's that push and pull. Yeah, I have dropped off a child and I might try to say goodbye or, you know, give them a hug or something. And they're just like, 
bye mom, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. get out of here. <laughs> right. And the first time the parent drops off a child and they are clinging to you and crying, it just doesn't feel like you're doing the right thing. The action that you are taking in that moment is something that is causing distress. And we know that nobody has perfectly comfortable feelings all day long, not even children, you know? So um, I think that parents are uncomfortable with that discomfort. And so um, they think, well, I don't really need to do this because it's causing so much discomfort, but then pushing it off and pushing it off as you described, that doesn't make it any better. That actually only makes it worse. And And the child doesn't learn to deal with that discomfort. So we've talked often, and this is one of Dawn's best lines, is that our job at school is not to make your child comfortable. Our Our job at school is to help your child learn what to do with that discomfort, learn that they can make it through that discomfort and learn that there can be adults there to help them through that. And when that happens, that can be discomforting for the adults. I've seen it. One of my favorite things is, you know, the child's been in the program for six months and they drop, the parent walks in the door and the kid's off playing. And and I've seen parents literally, you know, they do the thing where they have to say goodbye 15 times, anything to make their child cry like they did that first Mm day. Otherwise they don't, they, I mean, otherwise they don't, they don't love me if they don't cry when I leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a thing going on there and, and I've seen it dozens and dozens of times over the years because we, we want them to let us go, but then we don't want them to want us to go. Right. We're their person. Yeah. Yeah. We're their person. And it feels good until the time it doesn't feel good. But even then you don't want to be that, like Dawn said, you don't want to be the cause of their discomfort, you know, and you think, well, maybe not now, maybe we'll do it next time. So in a school situation, do you find that you need to do more of the um, coaching with the child or with the parent to get used to this discomfort? And, and what do you do differently with the child versus the parent? I think it depends on um, the individual child and the parent and the age too. So I think um, there's a lot that we do and, and this year has been different and I'll just Go ahead and put it out. Um, so we have not been able to do um, separation the way we usually do this year. But usually what we would do is a couple of things. We're building relationship with that parent. So they trust us. And I say to them, you don't know me yet. It makes sense if you need to hang around for a little bit to know me before you trust leave me, my kid, your kid with me. And if you're not comfortable, your child's not going to be comfortable either. So I have to invest that time in the relationship with the family, with the parent and the kids. So letting the, t- letting the parents see me interacting with their kids, see me interacting with the other children, see that I'm caring for them, see that I'm taking care of them and keeping them safe. That's a big part of it and building that relationship with the parent. Um, and then also giving them permission. If you have to go, you have to go. And that's okay. And I will take care of your child till you get back. And I will call you. If they're inconsolable in 10 minutes, I'll call you and you can come back and get them. And, and we've got this. I've, I've dealt with crying kids before. We, we, we can do this. And I know that your kid's going to be okay. So helping to give them that confidence that oops, that um, that they can do this and that their child can do this. And we say at orientation every year, you know, I can help the teacher, the, or the parents who needs help, and I can help the kid who needs help. And sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other. Um, with the real little kids, um, what we can do is to give them time and space. They need some room to be able to be sad. They need some room to learn to trust me. They need some room to... Um, to figure out what it is that they, that they need in the situation. Um, and sometimes it takes a while. 
and we're fortunate in that the ratios we have, I can sit with a kid for a while if I need to. I can sit and be nearby and get closer and closer if they're feeling like they want some room, somebody near them. Um, but it takes time, right? And we want kids to know that all those feelings are okay. That when you're mad and sad, it's okay. I can handle it. I'm not gonna freak out or try to push you through them feelings. I'm not gonna try to jump you ahead or distract you or tell you you're okay when it's obvious you're not. I can be there with you until you're done. And then I can help you to move on with what's next. And the same with the parent. I can be there with you. You can be sad, you can be mad, but if you gotta go, you gotta go. And then we'll be there for you at the end of it. So it's given, time and space is the biggest part of it. Um, we've got some other specifics that we can talk about too, if you wanted to do that now. Um, I was wondering about the beginning of a school year. Um, you know, are there more kids that are all needing help being walked through the separation time? And can that be overwhelming for the adults trying to cope with that when everybody needs help, not just one child? Yeah, it can be tricky, especially in the, in the two-year-old classes. But um, again, our ratios help. Um, what's interesting is they'll often provide the comfort to each other. So um, if one child's upset because their parent is missing, so a lot of what we can do is, um, especially with the little ones, acknowledge those feelings. You look mad or you look sad when they're ready to talk, which might not be for a little while. Um, and I'll get a piece of paper and I'll draw a picture and I'll say, here's your face. You're really sad. Your mom is gone. You really miss her. And then another kid will come over and say that they're sad as well. And so, okay, here's your face and you're sad as well. And then we talk through what's going to happen. Your mom was here. She left. She's going to, where is she going to go? And they usually say Kroger or Target because that's where all moms go when you're at school. <laughs> um, they don't go home to take a nap or anything. Um, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going to play at school. And then at the end of the day, here's mom. She's going to get in her car. She's going to come back. And then this is what will your face look like when she comes back? So we tell each other those stories, but they also help each other. So I was in a twos class one time. I would, one guy was having a hard time. I'd sit and they'd talk it through with him, but everybody else would come over and check in. And sometimes they'd talk about their parent or they'd talk about missing their parent or when their parent was going to come back or they'd want their own paper to draw their own story. So it becomes a thing where we help each other out to work our way through the sadness. Um, and so, yeah, it can be tricky when there's a lot, just like a lot of people crying is always going to be hard. Um, but you know, we work our way through it together and, and having the, the smaller ratios certainly helps us with that. So this is a question for either of you. Um, did you learn some of your um, ideas about separation by being a teacher first or by being a parent first? Were you oh. able to separate easily when you had uh, little ones that you were dropping off? I was a very good separator. I like my time. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to be honest. So I always had people that I trusted that could take care. My husband was in law school when I had my daughter, I was working full time. There were times I needed to have childcare. So we had it, you know, and, and she started in early. Um, but I was also a working parent, you know, with little kids and I can remember that. So I think it's helpful to have that experience of being a parent and having gone through it and having seen others go through it to be a teacher too. So I think there's a little bit of both for me because you, I just know how much you love your kids. You just, you just love them so much. And you, you, I think being a mom, I can just relate so well to how other parents are feeling. Um, and so when I can see when it is hard for them, when they're not an easy separator, um, I can be really empathetic. 
Yeah, I, um, my kids didn't have a lot of trouble with separation, um, but like Dawn, um, from an early stage, we were always sharing off childcare with friends and neighbors and people because we didn't have family in, in town. But what I think I've gotten better at in my time at SYC is being okay with those hard feelings. So I think my first couple of years when a child's upset, I would say, oh, you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be okay and I'll be here with you, but, but I didn't feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it didn't come across in my voice and my body. I was kind of like, let's get done with this. What's going to happen next? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was communicated, but it took me a while to get confident enough that I could say, you're going to be fine and I'll be here for you when you're ready. And to really mean it and to know and have that calming presence that took me a while to develop. And that's so hard, right. To not be the one that ranched it up, be the one who kind of is that calming presence. Well, for me, it's hard. Yeah, I remember, um, like you, I didn't have family in the town where I lived. And so we had to rely on neighbors and whoever was available. Um, But my hardest time with separation was when our regular daycare person um, was absent for a week and she had arranged a backup person for that week who lived down the street and took care of kids also. But we'd never met. I hadn't, you know, interviewed them or and dropping off my little guy the first time during substitute week, um, the first day was fine. Um, the second day he didn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure whether it was just all the newness of it and it wasn't his regular person because there's a new house. Mm-hmm. It was a child um, care in a home setting or whether you know he really had good reasons not to go back. That's a hard thing to know. Um, when you're doing that separation and the person who's clinging to you is nonverbal, but very um, clear about what he or, or she doesn't want. Yeah. Cause want, is there a reason? Is there a reason why they don't want to go and you wonder, and that's good. Right. But it's also good to look at the evidence that you have in front of you. I've watched these people. I trust them. I see what they're doing. I know what they're doing. And I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. Sometimes though, depending on the age of the child, sometimes they can't articulate why they're having trouble, what it is they didn't like about that day. Or, you know, they'll say things that just sound crazy, like that don't make sense, just because I think they can't always make sense of it. It just just didn't feel right. Something just didn't feel right. And you want to honor those feelings with kids, but you want to also let them know that, you know, you trust that the people who are taking care of them are, are going to do that and do it well. So um, can you get into a little bit of the child development theory and things about why this is a normal natural practice and and even if people get a little nervous about it at times that that this is what kids and parents are supposed to do yeah I'll start off a little bit um between about the ages one and a half to two you'll notice when you go to like a play group or something that children start to kind of um they see their parent as a secure base so they'll wander off a little bit and then they'll wander back to check and they'll go off a little bit farther and they'll come back into check so having your parent nearby is a way of just, it's that, again, a push and pull that the child wants to go off and wants to be their own person and wants to have their own experiences, but, you look, but they're glancing over their shoulder the whole time to make sure my parent, my grown up is still there. So they're checking in and out. But usually between about ages two and three, children start to have this internal mental model of their family, of their parent or caregiver. So, okay, I, I can think of mom, I've got her in the back of my head, I can go out and I can do these things and try these new parts of life and, and I can still kind of carry her around with me in a sense. And so between two and three is kind of a great age to be doing some of that separation if you haven't already. Um, 
because I can have that. And then they can kind of, it's kind of like carrying your mom around with you. Um, so you can kind of check in with that. Um, and that's a, a great time to be starting with those sorts of things. Yeah, and then another thing we like to think about is, you know, Maslow, his hierarchy of needs, it's like a triangle, right? And it's all the things that kids need or, and to become adults and to become um, uh, independent people and, and self-aware people and comfortable people. And the first thing that they need is just the basics, food, shelter, sleep, um, comfort, those things. And then the next thing they need is kind of be able to build a sense of trust. And so we're right in there, like being able to trust people, it's, it's like the very second thing that they need. And it's kind of good that they're sort of sandwiched together like that, because when you realize that a kid's having a really hard time and then you're on the second level, you go back down to the first level, wait a minute, are they hungry? Are they thirsty? Are, you know, all, are all those things being met so that they can take that next sort of leap? Um, so when we um, have talked done our presentation at college and stuff where kids are studying child development um and they talk about Maslow they're like oh here you're going to talk about this again because that's what all the their teachers are telling them these are all your basic needs and then this um is how you build up that triangle um I know you two are full of ideas of how to do separation the SYC way um and also some ways that really would be good to avoid. Um, so shall we get into that? And um, listeners, you'd have to wait till next week, but <laughs> we don't want you to miss out on this. Listeners, I know you're gonna have a hard time separating from yet another episode of Renegade Rules, but uh, we promise we'll 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 be right back. We're gonna we're gonna run to Target, um, and then we'll, we'll be <laughs> then we'll be right back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.